0: Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I spoke with one of our listeners this morning and discovered several interesting things that I want to share with you. I'd known for some time that this woman was working on a project in Honduras, As she's able, she'll send $10 for the radio broadcast. But most of what she does is a chicken farm in Honduras. Every extra penny that she can possibly find, she sends to the pastor of an Assemblies of God church in Honduras to help them establish a chicken farm. Now, they already have the the building up. They're beginning to build up their chicks. With her help, they were able to purchase an incubator. They're making progress. She just sent them a gift. The pastor opened it in front of the congregation because in each package comes food, and supplies for what they need. Now this woman, you would think she was very well off because she is doing such a fabulous job of mission outreach to feed the poor in Honduras, feed the hungry. She she chose one special little girl in the eighth grade who doesn't have a place to study So she's sending her a table and chairs so she'll have a place to study. And she pays the tuition for this little girl to go to school. Now, in addition to that, she goes to churches and other places that distribute free food. And she'll take all that she can find and she'll make her rounds to the families she knows are in desperate need and she'll provide them with cans of food with fresh vegetables only having a very small amount for she and her daughter so today i said to her what are you what are you working on for your family and she said well I've been going to IKEA and I've been looking if I can find an inexpensive dresser. I I need a place to put my clothes in my bedroom. She is in a subsidized housing apartment complex. I said, "Wait a minute. You don't have a dresser in your bedroom?" No. Well, do you have a bed? No. You don't have a bed and you don't have... What furniture do you have in your bedroom? I don't have any furniture in my bedroom. No lamp, no table, no chair. But she never speaks about that. Today's the first time. She only speaks about her desire to start a chicken farm and a mission place in the Philippines and another one in Africa. She's making contacts and she's she's reaching out with every penny she has, sending to one family in Honduras thirty dollars. Well, $30 is everything in Honduras. Well, let me tell you, $30 is everything for this this missionary woman. I listen to her as she, in her excitement, talks about the work of God, talks about how the Lord is speaking with her and directing her steps, telling her to be patient, to wait on him, and he'll open the way for her, for her daughter. You know, I listened to this testimony this morning, and my heart was moved. And I'm praying, Lord, what can I do to help? But that's really not the issue I want to address. It's another issue. A deeper issue. Things of the flesh, physical things. We need beds and we need chairs and we need a place to live out of the elements. Some don't have all of those things. Some are even homeless. But let me read this passage of scripture. I've shared it many times, but I want to come back to it. Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, I'm coming now to open the word of God by faith. Standing by faith on your provision, on your blessing, in your love. I pray, Lord, for your presence today. I pray you will order the words that are spoken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Romans, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this, In his death, we also certainly will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Well, this life that we live to God, what's at the very core of that life? How does it operate? Jesus, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, was coming to the conclusion of his sermon. He had said some very, very powerful things to direct us in this walk with him. Now, one of the things that he said that was so powerful that literally has directed my life when he said no one can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money and then continuing he said in chapter six do not worry saying, What shall we eat? or What shall we drink? or What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, how do we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Well, Jesus talks about that over here in Mark the 8th chapter. He's been saying to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. But what was he having on his mind? He'd just been rebuking Jesus and telling Jesus, No, these things are not going to happen to you. You are not going to be crucified. Yes, we're going to Jerusalem, but you're not going to be crucified. No. Jesus said, You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You see, the things of God are very different than the things of men. And he now calls the crowd to him along with his disciples. And in verse 34 of Mark, the eighth chapter, it's Mark 8, verse 34, he begins to talk about how you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness Now, we need to hear this. We need to understand it. I have many times cried out to the Lord over the deadness of my own soul, my own heart, and the deadness in the church. Now, I can tell you today, my heart is not dead today. I'm alive I'm rejoicing in Jesus. I feel very keenly the pain of the American church. And it causes me to come before the Lord and weep. And now is a very dark time for me. It's the dark night of the soul for me because I'm so concerned about what I see happening in America. I'm so concerned about seeing the church now trying to rebuild itself in its former in its former glory and i know it won't work i know the lord has told me it's time for a new kind of church the old church of culture of institutionalism the old church of the sinning christian the old church with the cotton candy Jesus. It's not going to work again. The old church of entertainment and worldliness is not going to work again. Jesus will not deal with that kind of church. And the battle is on in the in the American church right now. Well, let's get everybody back and let's let's go and, and, and let's regain our place and let's build our beautiful buildings and let's, 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 let's. No, it's not going to work. Jesus is calling for a new kind of church, a church of the Holy Spirit, a church of righteousness and holiness, a church that has laid down its life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He called the crowd to him. I'll get to this, but I need to say one more thing first. I've wondered at the deadness. I've wondered at the condition of of the Laodicea church. I've wondered, what's the cause? And of course, the cause is the love of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But, but let's get very practical. What is the cause of the deadness? Because many people who say, I love Jesus, are deader than doornails. There's not life in them. Why? Why? I've touched on this before, but today we're going to really go down there. The reason we are so dead, if that be the case for you, is because we're too full of everything else in the world. We're too full of the music. We're too full of the entertainment. We're too full of the YouTube videos. We're too full of the video games. We're too full of our work. We're too full of our families. We're filled up. I said yesterday in the message to the National Prayer Chapel, when I was a little boy, I'd come and sit down at the table for dinner. And there would be on the table a a glass full of of juice or milk. And as soon as the blessing was said, I would pick up and begin to drink because I was thirsty. And mom or dad would say to me, Raymond, don't drink all of that or you'll have no room for your dinner. You'll spoil your dinner. Well, I also had another bad habit and that was On our table, we always had homemade bread that my father made. He was a wonderful baker. And we had peanut butter and we had homemade jelly. And I would immediately take the bread and put the peanut butter on and put the jam on. And I would want to eat that whole piece of bread, a large piece. I'd want to eat that whole slab of bread before I had any Vegetables beans, corn. I love peanut butter and jelly, and I loved the drink. And my dad would say to me, Raymond, don't, don't take another bite of that bread. Put it down. You can have it after you've had your vegetables. And you can have it after you've had the lentil loaf because we were vegetarians. And my mother made a wonderful lentil loaf or cottage cheese loaf, or whatever it was we were having for protein, along with beans and corn, and we, we ate out of our garden or out of the produce that we had canned and put up for the winter. Well, my mom and dad did not want me to fill up on on juice or milk. They didn't want me to fill up on peanut butter and jelly. They wanted me to eat a healthy meal. Of course, they were right. I needed to eat the vegetables and I needed to take care of nurturing, feeding my body so I could be strong and grow up. Well, today, if you feast on football, baseball, tennis, if you feast on even good things like kayaking or biking or many other individual sports, hiking, camping. If you fill up on those things in your soul, you'll have no room for Jesus. If you fill up on telephone conversations, texting messages, I am utterly astonished By the number of people that I see walking on the street, looking at their telephone at the same time, texting someone, while right beside them is walking a person and they have no conversation with them. Their entire focus is on their telephone. As one of our listeners said to me, Pastor, we're all looking down. We need to look up. Jesus is coming and he's not coming from down. He's not coming out of our telephones. He's coming in reality. We need to look up and see Jesus coming in the clouds of glory. Well, she was absolutely right. Now, problem is, all of us have trials and, and temptations and painful encounters with reality relationships, work. And we feel like, well, now I need something to comfort my heart. And what will comfort my heart is if I can read that historical novel. Or if I can read something on the internet. Or if I watch a movie. Or if I can... But that's filling our heart with straw. That's not filling our hearts with the word of God. And the result will be... Deadness in our heart. You say to me, I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want to know Jesus Christ. Okay, then you're going to have to spend your time with Jesus. You're going to have to do what I'm going to read to you now that Jesus has said. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, where was Jesus going? He was going to Golgotha. But the word is still the same today. Where is Jesus now? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory. But, but where am I going to follow him to? I'm going to follow him to the coming. I'm going to follow him as he comes in glory. I'm going to follow him into eternity. Now, if I'm going to follow Jesus into eternity, if I'm going to follow Jesus into heaven, he's giving me two things that I must do to be enabled to follow him. Number one, I have to say no to my flesh. To my worldly desires. I have to say no to good things. As well as evil things. I have to carve out. Space in my life. That I can fill with Jesus. If my life is full. I mean if. If you've had. A wonderful dinner. And you go and. And. Stop by a friend's house and they're just sitting down to dinner and they say, oh, come, 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 sit down and eat with us. And you say, I can't, I'm full. I just had a huge dinner at my house, but I'll sit and talk with you. In other words, you're not going to put more food in your stomach when your stomach is already full. So I can come, I can preach the gospel to you, But if you have no room to receive that gospel, it will have no meaning to you. The intellectual ideas might be of interest. But it won't satisfy your hunger because you're not hungry. Let's deal with reality as it is. If you're not hungry for Jesus, it's because you're full of all the other things. The straw of Sodom, the hay of Gomorrah. You're full of the darkness, the wickedness, and you call yourself a Christian. But you've spent your time watching movies. You've spent your time on your favorite hobbies. You've spent your time working to earn more money, not recognizing that we work in order to be in a place where we can testify of Jesus Christ and his glory and our love for him and invite people to come and join together with us in our love for Jesus. If you're living a normal American life, you have no room in your heart for Jesus. And so when you come together and someone says, well, let's pray, nobody prays or they pray these silly little superficial prayers about Aunt Sue's toe. There's there's no real crying out to God. There's no real opening of the heart and saying, God, this is what's happening to me. This is what's happening to my family. This is what's happening to to my friend. This is what's happening to the church, Jesus. This is what's happening in the world. We're on the verge of a world war. Are you concerned? This pandemic, people have actually died in this pandemic, but it's not really a pandemic. It doesn't fit the classification. And the vaccine is not a real vaccine. its We won't go into that. But you understand what I'm saying. Somehow we have allowed our hearts to be stuffed in America with all the blessings that have come to America. And we have pushed out the blesser. We've pushed the Lord out. You cannot. You cannot follow Jesus into eternity if you have not denied yourself and said, no, thank you. It's not hard to deny myself of something of great value if I have no hunger. But if I'm hungry then I have to decide what I will fill that hunger with. Will I fill it with the cotton candy? Will I fill it with the peanut butter and jelly? Or will I fill it with the vegetables and the steak? Will I fill it with something solid, something real? Now, secondly, he says, You must take up your cross. Well, there's only one reason to take up a cross, and that is to die to yourself. That's the only reason anybody would pick up a cross, because they're going to be crucified on it. It's an instrument of of death. And that's why I read to you in Romans, the sixth chapter, where it says we must be crucified with Christ. We could term it something else. We could term it after John 3, being born from above. But it is a death. It's coming into the reality that I must say absolutely no to the world, to the flesh, and to the devil. And I must carve out that time that I was spending doing that hobby, which may have been a fine hobby. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little lady that I visited in her home, and she had a a beautifully built cabinet, all glass in the front, on three sides, and it was jammed full of salt shakers. She has been collecting salt shakers for years. Well, is there any problem with collecting salt? Salt shakers or stamps or matchboxes, or no, they're not evil in themselves. The problem is, this dear lady had no hunger for Jesus, she only wanted to talk about her collection of salt shakers. how is that going to open the door to heaven for her? It won't. It fills her heart so that she has no hunger to enter into the kingdom of God. And so first of all, it's you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to create hunger in your heart. When you get in the car, don't turn the radio on. Don't listen to all the sentimental Christian music. Turn it off. Don't listen to the hip hop. Don't listen to the to the rap. I mean, some of you will turn on the radio and you'll listen to the sentimental worldly music that is very sexually suggestive. But you say, "Hey, I'm not listening to the lyrics. I'm just enjoying the beat. I love the sound of the beat. That's what one man said to me. Pastor, it's not affecting me. I just love the sound of the music. He said, I can go to the to the nightclub and I just enjoy the sound of the music. No. The subliminal message of that music pouring into your heart will result in all kinds of sexual uncleanness on your part. And it may take a while, but it will bite you. Because you're filling your heart with it. You don't have room for anything else. So, you have to say no. And begin to carve out space in your life. You turn the television off. You stop watching the professional sports. Now, I know that sounds impossible for some of you because you worship at the altar of the professional sports. You know all of the stats. You can talk intelligently about all of the players. Especially guys, some of the gals, but especially guys. I'll go somewhere and somebody will say, Hey, did you see the game, Ray? And I say, What game? I used to follow the Redskins. I'd have Redskin parties at my house. I don't anymore. I've no interest. Why? Because I've been captivated by Jesus. And the time I used to spend following the sports, I now use to follow Jesus. So, the first step Jesus gives us is to deny ourselves. Say no. Don't eat that anymore. Don't fill your heart with that anymore. And and I can tell you right now, I know this. The Spirit of God is telling me. There are some of you the Holy Spirit's been struggling with on a number of these issues. It may be romance novels. It may be science fiction. It may be movies. It may be a sport. He's been saying, Stop. Stop. Come and meet with me. Then he says, take up the cross. After you've had room created in your heart by stopping the stuffing of your soul with worldly things from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Then it's time to die on the cross, where you finally come to terms with the reality of your life and the absence of the Holy Spirit's presence. Now, He's been striving with you, He's been calling you. I'm not talking about that. All of that is wonderful, and He'll continue doing that by His grace and His mercy, by the blood of Jesus. But he wants to move you on. He wants to use you for the work of the gospel. As this woman I spoke about at the opening of the broadcast, who's begun taking on projects, building a chicken farm in Honduras. Why would she do that? so that the families can have food on their tables? They're starving. They need eggs. They need chickens. They need food. She can help create something by the power of God that will provide that. I think that's magnificent. God wants us to participate with him in this work of salvation, the work of the gospel. But there must be a cross and we must follow him. verse 35 for whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it that raises the question of what is the cross really? I believe the cross is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel will crucify us if we will obey it and follow. As the Holy Spirit leads us, we will be crucified. It's a work that Jesus must do in us by the power of his spirit. But if you have no room for him, if you pay no attention to him, The gospel will not be able to accomplish its purpose in your life. And then you won't be able to serve in the purpose of the gospel to win others. Verse 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What is a man's soul? It's his personality. It's, it's who he is. It's, it's what he thinks. It's how he operates. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world? The approval of the world, the approbation of the world, the respect of the world. What is it for a man to be somebody? Some of you have worked so hard to be somebody, to have a, a reputation, to have, to have a place of respect and power. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? That's why I ask the question, what are you giving for your soul? Are you giving sports for your soul? There is a judgment day coming. Are you giving work for your soul? Are you giving movies and entertainment for your soul? Are you giving video games for your soul? The Holy Spirit's been telling you to stop, to lay it down, to come and search after him, to follow Jesus. Have you been saying no? Is that what you're giving in exchange for your soul? Are you giving the world in exchange for your soul? Are you giving your financial security? Your 401ks? Are you giving the world for your soul? It will cost you your soul. I don't want you to die. I want you to live. Let me read a passage of scripture for you. It's over here in the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 18, verse 30. Therefore, O house of Israel, O American church, I will judge you, each one, according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. I will judge you, each one, according to your ways, not according to your profession, not according to what you claim, according to what you do, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. You have to go get that heart. Jesus will give it to you, but you have to go get it. How do you go get that new heart? You cut off those things of darkness that you've been feasting on and filling your heart with so that you have no hunger for Jesus or very limited hunger for Jesus. You cut them off. You begin to create hunger by fasting and reading the scriptures. By prayer, by supplication. He says, get a new heart and a new spirit. You can get a new heart. You can get a new spirit. But it will mean you have to let go of those things that you've been feasting on that are causing you to be dull and dumb and blocked with Jesus. He will not remove those things for you. You have to renounce them in the name of Jesus and say, I'm finished with you. Cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, I'm finished with you. Fornication, pornography, I'm finished with you. Bitterness, anger, I'm finished with you. I'm done. Love of the world, love of money. I'm finished with you. I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm finished. That's how you get a new heart and a new spirit, because as you create room for the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart, he will begin to move in with power as you read the scriptures and trust in the love of Jesus for you. But if there's no room in your heart to receive him, if there's no room in the inn of your heart, he will not come in and Christ will not be birthed in your life. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Why will you die, O American church? Why will you die? For I take, he says, no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Repent and live. What is the Holy Spirit calling you? To give up, to cut off, to remove from your heart and your life. There are obvious things we know he will immediately say, Stop the alcohol, stop the cigarettes, stop the drugs, stop the fornication, stop the pornography, stop the lying and the cheating and the stealing, stop the illicit relationships. We all know, just cut those off. But what about the things that we consider innocent that consume our time, our money, and our energy? that we enjoy immensely, perhaps. But there's not time to search after Jesus and after that sport or that activity. Which will you choose? Well, I can do it all, Pastor. Yes, and then you come to prayer meeting and you have no unction to pray. Why do you have no unction to pray? Because you are so limited so weak in Jesus that there's no outpouring of the Spirit. Oh, you have lots of head knowledge. I'm not talking about intellectual understanding. I'm talking about the heart gushing forth in the Spirit, the presence and power of God as you testify and bear witness for what he has done in your soul. Am I making sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'd like to hear from some of you on the live chat. On, on YouTube. Is this making sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Are there things that God has been calling you to cut off so that you have time, energy, and money to seek the Lord with all of your heart? He says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Repent and live. So we come back to our passage in Mark, the eighth chapter. What good is it, verse 36, for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Now let me cut right to the heart of what the issue is for me. I know that Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. See if I can find it. He said to them in Acts 1, verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost came, chapter 2, verse 1, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If you are not emptied of self, you cannot be filled. The Holy Spirit wants to come and anoint the Christian church with mighty power, but the Christian church in America is so stuffed full of its worldliness and of its institutionalism and of its ways that there's no room for the Holy Spirit to come. And there will be no revival until God's people begin to empty themselves and cut off the things of the world, the flesh and the devil, and say, Lord, I'm going to just isolate myself. I'm going to be in the prayer closet. I'm going to wait upon you. I'm going to cry aloud to you. I'm going to confess my sins. And I'm going to get clean. You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Then make room for him. Empty your life of everything extraneous and wait on the Lord and his power will come. That's what I'm doing. I invite you to travel with me in this journey. Well, we're out of time for today. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person listening to this broadcast today. Lord, we've become so full of our own ways and our own ideas and our own sentimental thoughts, our own pursuit of whatever pricks our interest, But there's no room in us for the Holy Spirit, so of course he's not going to come. I'm asking, Lord, you would empty us, each one, and make us containers clean and pure, ready to be filled by the mighty power and the flame of the Holy Spirit, that we could walk in accord with you, Jesus, that we could go to that place in eternity, where you will meet us to enter into glory. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to convict each one listening today and and to teach us and to show us and to instruct us on this cleansing process that must be pursued. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I can't thank you enough, those of you who are giving. Ellen, you just gave. Mike, you just gave. And others of you, I thank you. I have envelopes here. Uh, Leslie, Thomas, 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 thank you. You are not a doubting Thomas. You are walking in faith. Thank you for your kind gift, for the Holy Spirit's work. The offering means everything to him and to me and to this ministry you can give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com you can give online it's a brand new web page go check it out or you could write to me pastor ray greenley national prayer chapel post office box 2346 woodbridge virginia 22195 i love you god bless you I'm praying for you. you We'll talk soon. Present you blameless before the presence of his
1: glory with great joy, with great joy Now unto him who is able to keep you from
0: falling and to present you blameless. For the presence of His glory
1: With great joy With great joy To the only God our Savior Through Jesus Christ alone.
0: A new beginning pers-